Welcome to the Muscles and Veggies Fitness Podcast. This is where you get nutrition, health, fitness, performance, all perfectly packaged together in a bite-sized podcast to help educate and motivate you to stay on your fitness journey. Today, we are talking about the biology of fat burning. How do we actually use fat for fuel? How do we pull that out of our fat cells and we burn that? They always talk about burning fat, right? Well, obviously, if you've been listening to my podcast long enough, you know that it's definitely not all about calories. Uh, One of my most uh, best performing videos on YouTube, um, (laughs) it still only has like 20 or 30,000 views, which isn't much, but it's a video entitled Six Small Meals Versus Two Large Meals. And this video highlights a study that they did on the same calories, the same macros, the exact same food. All they did is change the meal timing. So instead of six small meals that were spread evenly through the, a 24-hour period, uh, the individual, half the individuals did each, and then they flip-flopped. And what they found was every single time the people ate two large meals instead of six small meals, they actually had better blood sugar, they had better weight management, they burned more fat, even though it was the exact same amount of calories. Now, why is that important to know? Well, because we have to understand that it's not just about the calories that we eat. It's it's not just about... um, the food that we're eating, it's also about when we're eating it or how much we're eating or how much carbohydrates involved in what we're eating or how much fat and carbohydrate is involved in how much we're eating. So this is really important to break down and and help my clients understand. And it's mostly for the reason because if I can get folks to understand the levers of fat burning and the levers of fat storage, then you can know which lever to pull based on your goals. And you can set your biology up, your body up to respond based on how you're pulling one of these levers or the other. But first, before we dive into this, I'd like to take a quick moment and tell you about our sponsor. It's me. I'm the sponsor. There is no ads on this show. All I would like you to do is if you're getting something of value out of these podcasts, do me a favor. Hit the pause button. Go to Google, type in Muscles and Veggies Fitness, leave me a five-star review or a four-star review if you think I'm just okay, but leave me a review on Google. This helps other people find my personal training service here locally in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and it helps more people find my website and my podcast as well. So do me that favor, leave me a review, uh, or you can leave me a review on iTunes, Spotify, whatever platform you're listening to this on please hit the pause button leave me a review thank you for doing that so let's dig into this topic of the biology of fat burning clear my throat here get ready for this this is deep stuff and i and again i want to like i want to say this first i'm not about to go into this ramble of hormones and different biological features to make myself sound smart or anything like that. All this information is out there for the the taking. If you want it, it's there. I'm just trying to do my best to simplify it for my clients so that they understand exactly what's the best way to apply this information. So with talking about lipolysis or aka fat burning, 
we have to talk about insulin and glucagon. Insulin, you can think of as the storage hormone. This hormone is released in the presence of a lot of blood sugar, and blood sugar is primarily the, the biggest culprit of insulin. Now, when I dug into this, it's also pretty interesting too that you know you can just fill your belly really full and the body will produce a lot of insulin. So technically, it's not just carbohydrates, it's overeating in general. You could literally fill your belly with gravel and it would produce a large amount of insulin just based on the, the stretching of the stomach, so to speak. So um, that, that's important to understand because it's not just high sugar, it's also overeating, which causes a high amount of insulin. And think again, this is the storage hormone. It's designed to take energy that we're eating and store it either as fuel to be burned in our muscles or fat to be burned for fuel later, okay? So important to understand, what's the opposite of insulin? If insulin stores fat, what is the opposite? It's glucagon. Glucagon is what actually pulls fat out of the cell and burns it as fuel. So we want to know how to optimize insulin and how to optimize glucagon. And you could think of these as like the villain and the superhero. Now, granted, I don't want to paint insulin as a villain because we will die without it. And any type 1 diabetic will tell you that it's imperative to have life that we have insulin. So it's not exactly a villain. But in the, in the context of burning fat, it could be considered so because you cannot, and I repeat, you cannot burn a lot of body fat while insulin is high in the blood. This is a no-brainer for anyone who's obese and type 2 diabetic because um, you, you're a poor fat burner if you've developed type 2 diabetes, and that's mostly because your body is very poor at upregulating glucagon and clearing out the fat or the energy that's in your cells. Therefore, um, you, it's harder to get more energy to cram into that cell when it's already full. And that way, that, that, for that reason, blood sugar hangs around in the blood and lo and behold, you have high blood sugar. And that's why you have type two diabetes. So we have to understand here that if we want to protect ourselves from type 2 diabetes and from weight gain in general, we have to optimize glucagon. Glucagon, it's the complete opposite of insulin. So instead of overeating or overeating carbohydrates and sugar that raise the blood sugar, we want a low blood sugar and we want an empty stomach or a low, um, <laughs> a low content in the stomach. Um, both of these things will upregulate glucagon and glucagon therefore starts pulling energy out of the fat cells and burning that in the bloodstream as fuel. So what things do we avoid with high insulin or how do we manage insulin and keep that low to make sure that its inverse relationship with glucagon is really optimized? Because we want glucagon to be high, we want insulin to be low, especially in between our meals. Um, and you know, like if you can, you can check your fasting insulin. If you're, you know, a data nerd like me, you can do some labs, check your fasting insulin, and you can see for yourself what a, a high fasting or regular fasting insulin is based on the reference range. I like to see it in my clients below three. 
Uh, I think the last time I did it, mine was around one or 1.5, really low insulin. At the time I was doing a lot of low carbohydrate dieting. I'm sure it's probably higher, maybe two or three now because I do a lot of, a lot more training and a lot more carbs than I used to. Um, which by the way, is an, another benefit of strength training is, and you, if you haven't listened to my previous episodes on the benefits of strength training, one of the major ones is it allows you to eat more carbohydrates because you're burning that glycogen that's in the muscle cell, uh, that insulin has stored away for you to use when you use your muscles. So how do we optimize insulin? First of all, we got to avoid high glycemic foods. These are your breads, pastas, chips, crackers, sugary sweets, sweetened drinks, anything that spikes the blood sugar pretty rapidly. Uh, This includes whey protein, believe it or not. Uh, Powdered whey protein concentrate or isolate both spikes blood sugar pretty high and raises insulin. So we want to be careful with those type of things. Um, avoiding high glycemic foods is like number one when you want to keep your insulin low. And this would apply to anybody with type two diabetes as well. Um, you know, just avoiding high glycemic foods is going to allow your blood sugar to really come down. And then that effect causes low insulin or a moderate amount of insulin, which allows your glucagon to upregulate. Because remember they're completely inverse. When insulin is high, glucagon's low. When glucagon's low, insulin is high. So we, the next thing on the list is we have to avoid high calorie meals. Uh, this would be like anything fast food, anything cheesecake, like lots of fat and sugar together is a recipe for a lot of calories. So calorie dense foods can spike insulin a lot. Another thing is avoid high carbs and high fats together. That's basically the same thing as saying avoid high calorie meals. Uh, Think of like most of the standard American diet, burgers and fries, lasagna and garlic bread, pizza and beer, um, you know, all these combinations of basically, you know, Western diet foods. um, They are a a large combination of fats and carbohydrates together. Guess why? Because they stimulate the palate very, very well. And companies know this. So having high fats and high carbs together is exactly a recipe for people to get addicted to your food and to overeat it, uh, which fills your pockets and makes your shareholders happy. So regardless of the effect that it has on people's health, sounds similar, huh? Didn't we go through this with cigarettes like, I don't know, 50 years ago or 40 years ago? Oh, well, anyways. So the next thing on the the list, shocker, eat low glycemic foods. So instead of eating high glycemic foods, we want to manage our insulin by eating lower glycemic foods. Think real whole foods, nuts, seed, fruit, veg, meat, fish, fowl. All these things are real whole foods. They do not have the ability to spike your blood sugar through the roof like these processed foods do. Uh, Breads, crackers, chips, pasta, you know, i.e. go down the list. These sugary drinks. Oh, by the way, like speaking of sugary drinks, I literally watched a guy um, a few years ago. All he did, he didn't quit eating fast food. He didn't quit eating all the junk. The only thing that he changed, and this was a big guy. He was probably about 350 pounds, you know, 300 pounds, somewhere in there. But all he did was cut out the sodas that he was drinking, and he dropped 50 pounds in less than like 120 days. We'll say four months. He dropped 50 pounds. It was like staggering just from the amount of soda that he was drinking. 
So this shows really the, the high effect of these sugary drinks on your insulin and your ability to burn fat, which by the way, like one Starbucks Frappuccino is like drinking one or two, I'm sorry, two or three Mountain Dews at one time. So, you know, just drink your coffee like a normal person. Don't be this like bougie Starbucks person that has to have this frothy whipped cream. Anyways, moderate calorie meals. Again, shocker. Uh, we want to eat moderate calorie meals. And then the next thing is eat a balance of macros in each meal. So don't have too much fats. Don't have too much carbs. Uh, we want a balanced approach. Like I stopped doing all the different macro diets for people. And now I just recommend like, look, real whole foods, try to get 33% of each macronutrient, protein, fats, and carbs at each meal. If you do this throughout a 24 hour period, and let's say it's a 2000 calorie diet, if you're a woman, um, this would be literally 900 grams of fat and 900 grams of protein and carbohydrate. Um, so give or take that, uh, 33%, 33%, you could, you could easily turn that into a 2000 calorie diet by just upping each one. And that's where you're, <clears throat> that, that's exactly where the thought comes from eating a balanced macro approach. Okay. So next, how do we upregulate glucagon? If those are all the things that spike insulin, how do we make sure that our glucagon is getting upregulated while we're doing all those things to manage insulin? Well, the first thing is we have to have an adequate fasting window. So this means that um, my fasting window at night is longer than my feasting window during the day. So this could be just as simple as stopping eating by 6 or 7 p.m. and not having anything until 7 or 8 a.m., the next morning. This would give you a 13 to 14 hour fasting window. I personally feel best with a 16 hour fasting window. And I know lots of other people who do as well. Um, I maintain, you know, roughly about 12% body fat year round from doing that. And it's just something that works really well for me. I do uh, advocate my female clients to shoot for more like a 14 to 16 hour window. Men do a little bit better with intermittent fasting than women does. And that just has to do with how our hormones work and how stress plays a role in that too. So that's the first thing. The second thing, shocker, exercise. Uh, because guess what? Exercise lowers your blood sugar while you're doing it, which upregulates glucagon to start pulling fat out of the cell and burning that as energy. And then the third thing is don't snack. And for like 95% of people, I could make this recommendation that snacking is completely useless. There are far 5% of people that I could say uh, blood sugar issues, hormone issues, pregnancy, you know, something like that, that maybe people need to snack. But for the majority, I think that 95% of people could get away with not ever having a snack. Um, and the reason why is because we're, if we're eating a balanced macro approach with real whole foods, there shouldn't be any need to snack because you should be able to go four or five hours in between meals without having any food. And all you're doing is hydrating and your body's very efficient at upregulating glucagon and doing its job. But the people that I find that like, oh man, I have to snack, I have to eat something. Most of the time, that's a clue to me that they have chronically high insulin and they have poor bl blood sugar management. So if you're a type of person that feels like, oh my gosh, I have to have something at like two or three o'clock in between lunch and dinner, 
Uh, it may be something to look at if, if water just doesn't do it or like, you know, tea, you know, anything just doesn't do it. I would say that there's some blood sugar issues that we need to address um, to make sure that you're not walking around with chronically high insulin. Because remember, insulin's job is to pull blood sugar out of the blood. So if you have chronically high insulin because you're a poor fat burner, um, that's going to chronically keep your blood sugar wonky. So in the middle afternoon, because you have chronically high insulin, guess what it's doing? It's storing away the little bit of blood sugar that you have, and it's giving you cravings to, I have to eat something to get my blood sugar to come back up. And most of the time it's craving some kind of sweets, fruit, you know, some sort of carb because it wants you to get your blood sugar back up. So once we balance that out, I've had so many clients say, oh man, I don't have that like super crazy urge and crash because a lot of people feel uh, that if they have an afternoon crash, that's also part of the reason that they come out of it and they're hungry. They want to eat something. That's a blood sugar crash. So I've heard a lot of people say that crash goes away. So does the craving. They can hydrate. All of a sudden they're good until five or six o'clock when they have their meal and then they shut it down for the night. So these three things, your fasting window, exercise, and don't snack. This all seems shockingly simple, right? But is it? It is and it isn't. You know, it's, it, it is easy if you're exercising regularly and you don't snack and you eat awesome real food and you don't eat late and you don't eat early. You have a nice fasting window and you, you kind of train that muscle or the fasting muscle in the body, so to speak. But it's not easy if you keep high glycemic foods all around you all the time. It's not easy if you're addicted to breads, pastas, crackers, chips, sweets, uh, sugary drinks, um, sugary cakes, you know, that kind of thing. It isn't if you eat out a lot because eating out a lot, food is filled with MSG. Food is filled with sugar, even in foods that you would not think sugar would be in it. Why is that? Well, if you talk to anybody who is in a major restaurant business, Man, they can add sugar to things just because they know people will eat 30% more of it. Um, that is also a big reason why people get so addicted to coming back to the same places. So that combined with MSG, which by the way is a neurotoxin that has been heavily associated with Parkinson's disease and Alzheimer's disease, um, that is a recipe for why if you, if you eat out a lot, uh, it can be very hard to maintain low insulin and maintain high glucagon. So I find this helpful to understand these concepts for my clients. And the reason that I do is because if you physically know how something works, it's easier to avoid the sugary drink or the sugary cake because you know that's gonna spike my blood sugar, it's gonna spike my insulin, I'm gonna shut off fat burning for a while, um, and, and that causes the same highs and lows, which also leads to further cravings because when your blood sugar drops and your, your insulin has done its job by putting that sugar away in the fat cell, your blood sugar drops to a low range. It gives you a craving. And then you're like, Hey, I want, I need this. I need that. My stomach's growling, you know? So then it starts to cycle all over again. So I find this really helpful because if, if you're somebody who's like, you know, I think I'm eating kind of healthy and I'm trying to make the right choices. Look, focus on real whole foods. Pull the lever of glucagon by exercising daily, um, increasing your fasting window, and don't snack 
and boom, you've got a recipe to have higher glucagon, lower insulin, protective against type 2 diabetes, protective against obesity, and you're going to be a leaner, healthier person with less energy swings, more emotionally stable, and less energy crashes. So look, if you like what you're hearing from this podcast, please do me a favor. Uh, As soon as this ends here in about 20 seconds, get on Google, leave me a review, five stars hopefully, four if you think I'm okay. And uh, that way people can find this podcast and find me as a personal trainer. That is your way of saying thank you to me for this last 20 minutes and 23 seconds. I hope you have a wonderful day. Muscles and Veggies Fitness Podcast is putting out shows about once a week. If there's something you would like to know, DM me on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, You can also email me. Go to my website, musclesandveggies.com. As for now, though, I'm signing off. Have a wonderful day from Zach at musclesandveggies.com.